This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Okay, welcome in everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Back in the state of South Carolina, we continue from Greensboro. We are still here. Had to stretch out the underwear supply to cover the day. We're in good shape. There's a Walmart not far from me. So we're well covered there. I know that's the most important thing about the trip because when you cover Clemson or South Carolina in a basketball tournament, you never really expect to stay more than one game. And, of course, with the Gamecocks, that turned out to be the case. With the Tigers, well, they got it done last night against NC State. If they could play NC State 29 times a year, I think Joe Lenardi might put him in the tournament. That's about what it's going to take, 29 wins over NC State. He still won't put them in his brackets. He's got them the second team out. Same thing with Jerry Palm. They're knocking on their respective doors, but they haven't kicked it in. Though, And you'll hear from the Tigers from last night, but Brad Brownell was just flat out to the point, 100%. We deserve to be in 100%, no question about it. They've done enough. He says, what more do we have to do? I'm kind of paraphrasing. What more do we have to do to be in the NCAA tournament? They just beat a team that's ahead of them in every category for the third time by double digits. That's 10 double-digit wins against ACC teams. That's 15 ACC wins on the season. I know people are looking down their nose at the ACC this year, but it's still – You know, why does SEC football get all the benefit of the doubt when it comes to history and tradition, and ACC basketball all of a sudden does not, you know? I mean, if Alabama's having an off year, it's still, well, it's the SEC. It's so deep and so talented. we still got to take three teams in the four spots in the playoffs, right? Because it means more. It's the history. It's tradition. I say bunk on that. And if you're going to apply that rationale, you should apply that rationale to Clemson and the ACC. I mean, they should be in now. No questions asked, no doubt about it. And I would hope that the committee doesn't pay attention to the people like Lenardi and Palm when it comes to making their decisions known on Sunday. I would certainly hope that they're not being influenced by the outsiders, Chris Bergen. I say to Clemson, win your way in. Take it out of the committee's hands. Mm. Go beat Virginia tonight and beat Duke or Miami tomorrow for the championship. Do something your program has never done. They can't leave you out then. If you get the automatic qualifying bid from the ACC, they're in for sure. So go win tonight. Yeah. I, 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 I get Brad Brownell's frustration, and I understand it, but lobbying about it right now is not really all that important. Just go have your team prepared as you did last night, and I was blown away with how well Clemson played last night. Outside of the starts, I thought Clemson was exceptional on both ends of the floor. And NC State, that was the first time I'd really had a chance to sit down and watch them. Phil, they remind me offensively of somebody driving up Interstate 85 at 110 miles per hour, and mm. they run into traffic and can't slow down. So they swerve off the highway and into people's backyards, start knocking down mailboxes and the like. They take so many bad single shots. I mean, you look at the statistics from last night, they had eight total assists 
on their 21 made field goals. Heck, you look through Clemson's line score. Chase Hunter had nine by himself. Mm. Clemson does a much, much better job of sharing the basketball. They play really, really good defense. And we talked about that yesterday, that that might be the kryptonite against NC State. And I think you're right. I think if those two teams play ten times this year, Clemson win all ten. Because I just think they're flat out better than NC State. You know, they are known for taking the quick shot and pushing the tempo, except when they want to work D.J. Burns in their offense. Then they mm-hmm. they slog it down, and they want to throw it down inside to him and let him use his 290 pounds, whatever it is, to back, back his way down uh, towards the basket. And that slows down their entire offense. If he makes the shot or gets fouled, then that's good. But if he doesn't, you know, that's a lost opportunity for them from three. And when Clemson finally sort of got their legs beneath them because they did get off to a slow start last night. They were down nine early, and that was because uh, Jarkel Joyner came out on fire. He scored ten points in the first seven minutes, didn't score again the rest of the day. So they did a nice job adjusting Mm -hmm. and getting him under control and getting that fast-paced three-point shooting offense by State under control. State was 0 for 10 behind the arc in the second half. And Clemson totally dominated the second half. And Clemson, as they can do, they got red hot shooting the basketball. They had a run of five or six buckets in a row. Uh, they went, uh, uh, you know, they, they had a stretch where they hit, shot a very high percentage. And that's when they turned the game around from the um, midway point of the first half into the second half and built that lead into the 20s. And then he was able to clear his bench. And they did this with P.J. Hall getting into early foul trouble. And he ended up. Only playing at 17 minutes, 50 seconds to be exact. He still gave you 15 points and a couple of rebounds. Uh, and, and Hunter Tyson had another typical Hunter Tyson performance. 10 points, 12 rebounds. I tell you what, I think somebody would make a smart pick with a second-round pick of Hunter Tyson in the draft because he's only gotten better every single yeah. year he's been at Clemson. And you imagine he can take it to another level with his work ethic. He's a tremendous outside shooter. He can shoot off the bounce. He can shoot off coming off the screen. He's big enough to defend bigger guards, and he can also rebound for you. He kind of reminds me, if you want to go back to the old days, kind of reminds me of Chris Ford when he played for the Pistons and played for the Celtics, that guy that could just stand outside and shoot the three but had a big body on him and can play really good defense. I think somebody would be wise to take him in a second-round draft pick. But that's a discussion for another day. You mentioned Chase Hunter. He had 11, nine assists. Tigers ended up shooting for the game right at 50%. So I believe that's four. Well, they did have the second half a little bit under 50%, Mm -hmm. but they had a streak going of halves shooting better than 54% against (laughs) NC State's defense. So they solved NC State's defense and also figured out their offense, and the result was an easy win for them last night in front of 17,002, and so they'll take on Virginia. Second game tonight after Duke and Miami, and, of course, that's probably going to be the complete opposite of what we saw (laughs) last night, right? Because Virginia's going to want to play their tempo, which is a slow-it-down tempo, have a game in the upper 50s or 60s if they can make it happen, and really play (laughs) tough defense on you. These teams played just a couple of weeks ago up in Charlottesville. It was a tight win, 64-57. Final score, Virginia won it by seven at a time when Clemson was trying to claim the ACC regular season title. And the Tigers shot 41% uh, for the game, uh, right at 42% for the game. And Hall had 19 points, nine rebounds. So maybe, 
you know, if they can get the ball inside to P.J. Hall where he does uh, most of his damage, though he did hit 1-3 against Virginia, feed the ball into the post, get the ball to him, let him turn, see if he can score inside. Tyson had 17 points and nine rebounds in that game, so they were the two most effective scorers for the Tigers there in Charlottesville. That game was played uh, back on, um, when was that played? Um, February 28th. So they are very familiar with one another. Uh, a little history. Uh, the Tigers and the Cavaliers played in 2008, the last time the, Clint- uh, the Tigers made it to the ACC semifinals. And um, the Tigers actually won that game and went on to play for the ACC championship that year in Charlotte. Only time they've beaten Virginia in ACC tournament play. So uh, Virginia has had the upper hand, 7-1 all-time against Clemson in the tournament, including 4-1 in, uh, in Greensboro. So um, we'll see what happens tonight. Let me correct that. They're it, gonna was, have to- uh, it was 2011 was the last time they played each other. That was in the tournament semis in Brooklyn, and uh, the Cavaliers won that one, 64-58. 2008 was the last time Clemson won a semifinal to go to the championship game in Charlotte. They lost to North Carolina. They're going to have to make some contested shots tonight. Uh, Unlike NC State, Virginia likes to play defense, and Virginia will get after Clemson on the offensive end of the floor. Tigers aren't going to have as many wide-open looks as they got last night. As as good as they moved the basketball, they got a lot of wide-open shots last night. I don't envision tonight being that opportunity for them. They're going to have to knock down some contested shots, and Phil, you brought up P.J. Hall and the limited amount of playing time he had last night. Now that you get through that NC State game, that might actually be a benefit for Clemson. Mm-hmm. Yep. He only played 18 minutes last night, so you would think he's pretty relatively fresh, uh, ready to go tonight. And then should they win tonight, he'd, he'd be certainly in prime position to go on uh, Saturday night against either Duke or Miami. So it, as bad as it might have looked last night during the game until mm-hmm. it got out of hand in the second half, that might actually be a benefit for Clemson now moving forward with inarguably their best player, I, I think. Uh, their best player, having not played all that much last night and still contributed the way he did. Yeah, yeah, and got enough work in, got up a good sweat mm-hmm. where he kind of got into the groove of the tournament, as Brownell said last night, for the teams that don't play in the early rounds of the tournament. And in their case, they had to wait all day yesterday. I mean, they were just a tad bit rusty and a, a tad bit off their game when things started. But once they kind of got into the rhythm and got a feel for everything that was going on, the atmosphere and the arena and all that, um, you know, they got it going into high gear. Let me correct my history for a third time. 2018, I think I said first 2008, then 2011. 2018 was when they last played in the tournament, in the semifinals, in Brooklyn, and Virginia won 64-58. A typical Virginia-Clemson game, 60-something to 50-something. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, Clemson's got to get into the 60s. If they can get into the 60s, they might have a chance to win this thing. But it's going to be tough because Virginia – you know, you look at their games, the, uh, they are on a three-game winning streak, beginning with that win over Clemson. They scored in the 60s. Clemson scored in the 50s. They beat Louisville, and they scored 75 but held Louisville to 50. They played um, North Carolina the other day. They scored 68. North Carolina scored 59. You can just look up and down. They beat Notre Dame 57-55. Um, they beat Duke 69-62. They beat NC State 63-50. So they're going to typically score in the 60s and try and hold you in the 50s. So I'd say if you can get to 62, 65 points, you got a chance to win this game tonight. 
It's a lot easier said than done, though. Tony Bennett is is one of the terrific coaches in college basketball, and those guys are locked in on that. I don't know how he gets guys every single year to buy in what he wants to do because in the modern era of college basketball, you want to run up and down the floor and sort of play the NC State style, don't you? Flashy, knock down mm-hmm. a bunch of threes and score a bunch of points. They they buy into that system, and they play it as well, sort of like Syracuse does. They buy into that you know 2-3 matchup zone that Jim Beheim made famous. Virginia has cut its teeth on playing on that end of the floor floor and so I think you got two really good defensive teams because let's face it Brad Brownell's squad can play some defense too I can't imagine this game gets anywhere close to, to 70 points for either team no I can't either I really can't okay we'll update some things we got baseball going on Clemson right now getting hammered by Georgia State first week for the Sun Belt series, huh eight to two in the bottom of the seventh details coming up they're going to play two tomorrow uh, apparently the weather's supposed to be not too good around the state on Sunday. And South Carolina, Bethune-Cookman playing one tonight, going to play two on Saturday. I guess the rain's coming in for, for Sunday. We had some rain here in the triad area this morning, but it's cleared up, and it's pretty this afternoon, this evening, clear and pretty. And then we'll update the other basketball, but we got to jump to the other big story, and I'll let Pat jump in here. I know he's um, he is ready to jump on the air with his feelings about this story. But this came out late this afternoon, right before we went on the air. But the Panthers have made a trade with the Bears to get the number one pick in the draft. They're giving up. They're giving up DJ Moore. They're giving up a bunch of picks. But they think it's worth it to get the number one pick in the draft. And I imagine draft a quarterback. I guess that will be where they will go. And I hope so. your thoughts on this and Pat's thought on that, what do you think? I let Pat fire up first because I know he was excited. He called me before the show started tonight, so I I let Pat take a, take the lead here. Well, from your clapping, I'm thinking we may be <laughs> having very differing opinions on this. Uh, you and I spoke off air. We mentioned it a little on air as well, but but this was mostly an off air conversation. We both started looking at okay, the Saints went out and got Derek Carr. We had heard rumors that the Falcons were going after Lamar Jackson or at least potentially trying to speak with Lamar Jackson about coming to Atlanta, and that immediately made us think, oh, no. David Tepper, with his track record, is probably going to go out and overspend and maybe overcorrect here out of desperation and think, I have to go do something right now. And I was concerned that they were going to go out and maybe overspend to move up in the, in the draft, and quite frankly, I think that's exactly what they did. Yeah, the, I would agree with the, that. The future may prove me to be wrong, but you are giving up the number 9 and number 61 overall pick this year, as well as a first-rounder in 2024, which I'm sorry, any of the quarterbacks on the current roster or anybody you draft this year, you're going to have a top-10 pick next year, too. You're not going to uh, – the offense is not going to get that much better, better this year, no matter who is under center. Again – I don't think they'll be able to replicate the success they had on the ground last year with the two-headed monster in the backfield they had after trading away McCaffrey. I just don't see that coming back. And you get rid of your top offensive playmaker in DJ Moore. So now who's your new quarterback supposed to throw the ball to? Um, This just is baffling to me. Terrence Marshall? I guess, but he he can't ever stay on the field. I love that guy coming out of LSU. Terrence Marshall, when healthy, is, is spectacular. He's electric. But his problem has been durability, even going back to his LSU days. So for me, I just feel as this this was too much of an overcorrection. I'm a little bummed out because I think that they are mortgaging the future so as to try to address this now, and I, I just don't see it going the way, unfortunately, that, that David Tepper and company think this is going to go. Also, who are they trading up to take? The presumptive choice is Bryce Young, but I, I can't help but wonder from the way the the – 
rumors have been coming out of Charlotte that they are very much so in love with Anthony, Anthony Richardson, and that mm-hmm. is who they have their sights on. And if that's the case, you could have gotten to where you were. Mm-hmm. You didn't need yep. to trade up. So I would, I would at least assume, and maybe I shouldn't be assuming, that they're only trading up to go after a Bryce Young, and he is great. He was spectacular at Alabama. Maybe he'll prove all the doubters wrong, but there is a long history of shorter quarterbacks not doing so well in the NFL, so just can't help but wonder about the long-term durability. Kyler Murray's doing all right in Arizona, but he's gotten hurt each of the last couple seasons and not been able to finish the year. So I just I have a lot of questions around this, but quite frankly, I think it's par for the course since David Tepper became owner. Well, I will say this to maybe buoy your spirits a little bit. I'm just excited the Panthers actually went out and made a move. Now, I agree with you. I think they overspent, especially getting rid of D.J. Moore in a second-round pick in 2025 and a first-round in 2024. I think you could have probably kept one of those two and perhaps D.J. Moore. If not, if D.J. has to be on the chopping block for the Bears, if that's what they had to have for Justin Fields, then get rid of one of the picks you're giving them in this year's upcoming draft. So I think I agree with you. I think they overspent. On the flip side, though, it actually makes – Panthers fans, I would think, Phil, they've got to be somewhat excited that their team's just not sitting pat and watching everybody else in their division get better at the quarterback position, and they not so much. So hopefully they'll make the right decision here. I'm, I'm guessing C.J. Stroud might be the, the direction they go, maybe more so than Anthony Richardson time will tell. But uh, we'll see. I'm just excited as a Panthers fan that they actually are doing something instead of sitting back and just waiting for everybody else in the NFC South to get better around let them. Me, let me throw a wild concept out there at you from somebody who is not tied into NFL draft stuff like you guys are and follow it all that closely okay I got my other stuff I have to deal with but just sitting here listening and thinking about it okay so they draft they they traded for the number one pick they gave up those other picks okay cool Mm -hmm. what if just throwing this out there what if they're thinking okay now let's approach the Packers and go after Aaron Rodgers and offer the Packers the number one pick. See, the Packers have got their quarterback waiting in the wings. Hmm. Of course, we all know that. So they go to the Packers now and say, okay, we give you a number one pick for Rodgers, and you give us your number one pick this year, which is I think is the 15th. The Packers draft relatively early for them this year, which I think is the 15th pick. We give you the number one pick. <laughs> is you that a humble Rogers brag at your us. team? What do you think? Possible? I, I love it. I, I, yeah, it's certainly possible. You know, I think it's certainly possible that you could take and, and flaunt that number one pick, though the, the consensus is because they desperately need a quarterback, but obviously Aaron Rodgers fits that mold. And then I mean, you get some of those exactly draft right. picks Whoever back. Whoever they draft yeah. this year is not going to come in and make this team just become a great offensive machine That's no. in 2023. It could be 24-25 before you start to see the returns, I would think. I love it. I at least love the idea of possibly shopping that number one pick to get some of those draft picks maybe after the, the dust settles, Pat, and, and they realize, gosh, Pat Daniel is right. We way overspent for, for the opportunity to get the number one pick in the draft this year. Maybe they do throw that back at the Packers or around the league and say, who needs a quarterback too? And maybe we can go get somebody and get a few picks back that we've traded away. But you would have thought they would have already factored that into their, their thinking. So I don't know. But, Phil, I, th- I think it's a, a really interesting – prospect and a really good idea but i'm not sure the pan i I will side with pat on this i can't see the panthers being that smart quite frankly (laughs) yeah all right well we'll see what happens but it certainly has given the folks here in greensboro who cover the panthers something else to talk about here late this afternoon 
All right, um, let's update some other things going on. By the way, our phone number, 888-898-2525. If you want to react to anything, happy to take your calls on this Friday night, 888-898-2525. We are going to hear from Brad Brownell and a couple of Tigers from uh, last night. Hunter Tyson was one of the Tigers that uh, spoke to the media. Also, Ian Shefflin, who had a tremendous game. I tell you what, he is showing an outside shooting ability that I really didn't know that he had, but he has developed this year. Last night, Shefflin was big for Clemson, 15 points, six rebounds, had an assist, three for three from three, six of eight from the floor. Uh, He was tremendous for them. So uh, we'll hear from uh, Brownell and those two players, what they had to say last night. Have that for you coming up in just a little bit. George Bryan, Robbie Thames will be along at the bottom of the next hour with, of course, another edition of Birdies and Bogies and Biceps around the state of South Carolina. Play was halted late this afternoon in Jacksonville at the uh, Players' Championship because of weather. They're not going to restart it today. They'll pick it back up tomorrow. Storms moved in, and thus they had to um, bring a halt to uh, activities there. We'll update the leaderboard for you. I was watching, and, of course, they spent a lot of time showing us the guys on 17. And when I left this afternoon, I think 22 balls had gone into the water. Off the tee at 17. Yeah, the wind was a, re- a real going problem. They were having yeah. a hard time. The, the golfers were having a hard time really figuring out the wind. It was a high wind, I guess you could say, and gusting. And so they were dropping ball after ball into the into the lake there in Jacksonville. So, or I guess the pond, pond, lake, whatever it happens to be. Uh, we'll update that for you as well. And uh, Jeff Owens on NASCAR. Uh, he'll join us uh, in his usual spot as well. So we got a lot of stuff to get to, plus a recruiting update. Uh, Clemson having a kind of a a, a miniature uh, junior day uh, tomorrow. Had some folks in today. Got some folks coming in tomorrow. Talk a little about that as well. And, of course, keeping an eye on the baseball situation around here the state and around the SEC and ACC. Some ACC teams are beginning league play this weekend. Got some ACC series cranking up. They're in the top of the eighth, and Clemson is down 8-2 to two to Georgia State. The uh, Panthers... Your Panthers of the Sun Belt, Chris, two in the second, two in the third, two in the fourth, two in the fifth. They're pretty balanced offense. <laughs> I would say so, and this comes on the heels of you know, Coastal earlier this week upsetting second-ranked Wake Forest. So it's been a pretty good week thus far for the Sun Belt against the ACC. Yeah. And uh, Georgia State's not done. They've got runners at first and second in the top of the eighth and nobody out threatening to add to what is already a six-run lead. Well, here's Clemson's problem today. Only two runs. That's the big problem. They've had ten hits. They've left 13 on base. They have, um, let's see what their numbers are, runners in scoring position and all that. Um, Runners in scoring position, the Tigers are 2 for 12. All right? That will usually get you beat. They are 1 for 4 with runners on third, less than two outs. So the clutch hit has avoided them today. Looks like they're going to take one on the chin here against uh, Georgia State. As far as some of the Clemson numbers today, uh, Canarella stays hot. Three hits for him so far today. Ingles had three hits, and Taylor's had three hits. The top of their lineup, nine of the ten hits. But the pitching, Gordon went to three and two-thirds, gave up seven hits, six earned runs. He struck out two. He walked one. And then Darden, Olinchuk, and Reed have followed. Um, and Olinchuk has given up a couple of runs. So not a good start for uh, Gordon after his pretty good start against South Carolina Last week, so the Tigers are down eight to two. Okay, at the SEC tournament in Nashville, it was Alabama 
beating Mississippi State 72-49. So the uh, Crimson Tide with all the, you know, they had the indictment come out today against Darius Miles and his pal in that murder in um, Tuscaloosa. So they had that swirling around them today, around Brandon Miller and everybody else there at Alabama, but didn't bother him. 72-49, leading the way for the Crimson Tide was Miller with 18 points and nine rebounds. Uh, four of nine from three for him. And uh, Gurley, the former Furman standout, he had 11 points off the bench for the Crimson Tide. Bediaco had 11 points and six rebounds. Quinterly had 10 points. So uh, Alabama advances to the semis and will face Missouri. Missouri beat Tennessee 79-71. Rick Barnes, uh, great team, not getting it done. And it was... um, Brown with 24, Hodge with 26, and Missouri shot 53% for the game. We'll be back in a moment. Okay, we're back at Sports Talk. Sports Talk Media Network. On a wonderful, wonderful Friday, and I hope you're having a great day, and I hope you're looking forward to a tremendous weekend, whatever you got planned. Do your plans include watching Clemson play tomorrow night for the ACC Basketball Tournament Championship, which would be just the third time in their history. Played for it back in the 60s, played for it in 2008, and possibly, possibly could play for it here in 2023 if they can beat Virginia tonight. Tall task for the Tigers, but they're certainly up to it. They're certainly capable. There's no question about oh, yeah, it. They're no up doubt. to it, and they're capable if they play if they play good basketball. And don't turn it over. Possessions have to be – they have to treat possessions like jewels, right? I mean, you have to covet these possessions, protect them. If you turn it over and don't take advantage of your opportunities against Virginia, your limited scoring opportunities, then you're going to lose. And um, yeah, this should be a this should be a rock fight tonight. To be honest with you, between these two, it's going to be a grinder. And uh, looking forward to watching it. It'll be late tonight, nine thirty, nine forty-five. You can follow along on our Twitter and comment. Of course, we'll have post game for you on our website, sportstalksc.com. We're going to hear from the Tigers coming up here in Question. just a moment. Yes, sir. Real quick, uh, how do yeah. you think the absence of Vanderplas will play into tonight's game with him him not being available for Virginia? Well, they didn't have a real good game against Clemson the, the last time they played. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, mm. but I mean he is uh, that's another able body that they won't have to turn to uh, in case they do get into some kind of uh, foul difficulty, and um, yeah, it sort of I guess shrinks their bench as well. Looks like right so, now yeah. Down their to starting eight. lineup. Yeah. Their starting lineup last night, they had the 7-1 player in the middle, Cafaro, who's averaging only two points and about two rebounds per game. Gardner, who's 6-6, 12 points and six rebounds. And then Franklin, who's 6-4, about 13 points, four rebounds. Beekman, who I think might be their best overall player, 6-3, nine points and about five rebounds. Make that five assists. And Akil Akai... Uh, how does he pronounce his first name? Clark. Cahill? Cahill? Because of K-I-H. Kiai. Kiai? Kiai Clark? I believe, so. I believe that's right. Kiai Clark. 
5'10", averaging 11 points per game. So, um, And then they've got um, off the bench their top two replacements are freshmen. So it certainly hurts them from that standpoint, I would say. Weakens their bench a little bit mm-hmm. and takes away a little bit of size out of their lineup as well. So, yeah, Kehi Clark, graduate students and uh, good player for them. They got a good lineup, a good lineup that uh, plays well together. You have to watch the back door with these guys because they um, they 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 dribble, dribble you, they screen you, and then they backdoor you. You know, you have to be really aware of that. Uh, Vanderplas, six eight two thirty six. He was a transfer from Ohio. Played four years at Ohio, and so what are they going to lose here? A guy that started fifteen games for him and averaged uh, over seven points and averaged about five rebounds. So considering, you know, they don't have – they don't score a great number of points, you take the seven points out that he contributes, who's going to step up and, yeah. and contribute in his place like that? So, yeah, I'd say you, you do miss a player like that. Mm-hmm. He's a contributor. Okay, um, let me update a couple of other things, see what's happening in baseball, and then we're going to hear from the Tigers. Eight to two, top of the eighth. Georgia State is still leading Clemson with two outs. They have two on, first and second, with two away. South Carolina plays Bethune-Cookman tonight. That first pitch will be at 7 over at Founders Park. The Gamecocks looking to continue with their hot play of late. Give you some other scores. James Madison is beating Upstate 5-3, bottom of the ninth. In Spartanburg, Kentucky over Southern Illinois, bottom of the ninth, 4-3. Wake Forest leads Duke 8-4, top of the eighth. Over in Durham, Loyola Marymount leads Vanderbilt one nothing after five. The Citadel leads Holy Cross nine six in the seventh. Arkansas seven to four over Louisiana Tech in the eighth. Georgia twelve one over Charleston Southern. It's in the fifth. Virginia leads North Carolina. Didn't they do that last night? Virginia leads North Carolina <laughs> six to two. And that game may outscore a basketball game. (laughs) Tar Heel fans are like, can we get away from the Cavaliers? All right. Well, now in baseball, Virginia in Chapel Hill has beaten them 6-2. That's in the fourth. Wofford 10-0 over Cincinnati. Wofford has won 12 in a row. Remember they lost their opener after we had Coach on with us and we Mm -hmm. said we put the jinx on them? Well, they've won 12 in a row. And they're in the top of the fourth. Tennessee, Moorhead State are scoreless early. Illinois leading Coastal 4-0. Bottom of the second. I think they're going to play two tomorrow as well. Notre Dame, Georgia Tech scoreless in the third. Pittsburgh and Florida State coming up. And uh, what else do we have in the ACC as far as league play? NC State undefeated 13-0 plays at Miami tonight. And there you go. We'll keep an eye on all that stuff. Last night, it was late. Game ended maybe 11.45 or so. It was midnight by the time we got the – the Tigers into the interview room. Here is uh, Brad Brownell with his opening comments, and you'll hear questions to Ian Shefflin and Hunter Tyson as well. Here are the Tigers. Thought we were physical, thought we were tough, tough-minded, uh, rebounded the, the ball extremely well. Um, and then the longer the game went, I thought we played with really good poise. So, you know, we're playing pretty good basketball right now, and we have most of the year. And uh, really proud of these guys. Ian played phenomenally well today. Uh, but really, we had a lot of guys play well. Our bench was fantastic. Dylan and Ben were exceptional. RJ was good with his athleticism. Um, you know, that's what you need in a tournament setting. You need 
more than your starters, and I thought we got that tonight. So I'm really pleased with our group. Excited for tomorrow. Yeah, uh, for both of the players, there's a perception that you guys need to win some games here in Greensboro to, to kind of shore up your NCA standing. Is that motivating? Is it distracting? Is it something you don't think at all about? How, how do you approach that? I'd say it's a bit, uh, a bit motivating. But also, you know, we're just trying to take it one game at a time, one day at a time, and just go out there and give our best. Um, I think we did that tonight. I think that's why we were successful. And we're just kind of continue to do that and keep our head down. And, you know, just go out there and do our jobs. We'll let everybody else talk about what they think about us. But as long as we're out there doing our job, I think that's all that matters. I think Hunt said it perfect. Um, I think we're just a motivated team right now. I think we, we see all the stuff. And I think right now we're just worried about the ACC tournament. And I think just – one game at a time. Brad, when you had to take P.J. out so early in the second half and let him sit that yeah. extended period, what was kind of in your mind your game plan about how you're going to handle that? Yeah, just, um, you know, thankfully Ben's a good player and he's been getting better and better all season. Um, you know, he brings some athleticism and physicality and toughness and he's an improving offensive guy. We have a lot of confidence in him. Um, obviously disappointed because, you know, you don't want first play of the second half P.J. to get his third um, but, you know, we don't have a problem playing Ben, and Ben's a good defensive player. He's physical. He's tough. Um, I thought he was really good in the game. And, uh, you know, we were going to go till he's tired and uh, then put P.J. back in and just kind of work him together. And that was kind of our plan the whole night. you you got to throw some bodies at D.J. Burns. When we played him in, in uh, Raleigh, we, I mean, we had Ian, Ian played some five. Some of it was fouls, but – you got to throw bodies. You know, we didn't want to double much, if any, um, to give their other guys open shots. And so we just played them one-on-one, and I thought our guys did a nice job again. Brad, um, you don't have Alex. Brevin picks up two quick fouls. Just how big was was Dylan? And really a lot of your your freshmen that you had to play some significant minutes tonight. Yeah, it was great. I mean, he gave us a shot in the arm. Uh, Dylan did just – energy and some toughness and I thought he really fought over the ball screens and and competed um you know it's kind of fun to watch those two guys the brothers out there together too it's it, it's fun I think they feed off each other you know um Dylan has done this in a, in some games this year for us um but he was instrumental in turning the tide for us um I thought a little bit some of our starters we were on our heels just a little or just a little bit uptight maybe it's a long it's been a long day these guys like we've been so ready to play. It's these nine thirty games are hard. It's uh I mean we you know, we're loading the butt leaving at seven forty five and like the whole team's on a bus at seven thirty. It it's you know, it's like guys, we're gonna get there four minutes into the game. Like we're gonna be sitting in a locker room. So I think we played like that for a little while and then as we settled down, got more comfortable and confident, played like the team we can be. Brad, uh, you've got another late one tomorrow in yeah. Virginia, who you just played. They lost Vanderplast to an injury he, he's done for the, the season. What kind of a curveball does that throw you? Because they, they're dramatically changing their rotation with him out. Yeah, but they played us big some, maybe more than some of the other teams the other day. And obviously some of that's because of P.J. They're going to play us bigger than some teams who maybe don't have as formidable a, a five-man. Um, you know, they're better defensively. Uh, with the bigger guys. Um, now they don't, those guys don't shoot threes like Vanderplas, who's an excellent player, but um, I mean, they were terrific today. They were smothering, you know, they, their guards are uh, very good one-on-one defenders. And, and obviously they're older guys. They play with great poise. They don't beat themselves. They rarely turn it over. I mean, they're a, you know, top 10, 12, 15 team in the country for a reason. 
Um, and a lot of those guys have, have played together for a while now. Brad Joyner scored those 10 points in the first seven minutes and didn't score again. Did, did you guys concentrate more on him after that? I thought we point? did. I, just, I thought early in the game, I just didn't think we, we fought over the ball screens as well as we needed to. Um, and, you know, I thought that Dylan kind of did for a little while there and got us going. And then once we got other guys back in there, they were better as well. Um, and, and so it was just, again, a little bit, I just thought we were just for the first couple minutes, we were feeling the game out and, you know, that's hard. Sometimes the team that is one and, or the higher seed who hasn't played it, it, there's a little feeling out process in this. I mean, you don't even get to shoot, you know, unless you come like two days before, um, you know, don't care about class. We actually try to care about class at Clemson. So we went to school for a long time and then came. But, I mean, so it's like literally our guys, I think, shot for about 12 minutes in pregame shooting. And that's about all you get. And so it's for some of these guys, I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big event. This is a full house, big crowd. You're excited. You know, it's natural that you might be just a little in awe and, instead of like ready to go after it all the way. And, and I think you kind of get knocked around a little bit. Then you get back to competing. And I think that happened to us. Uh, for both of the players, you did just recently play Virginia. What stands out about that matchup? What's challenging about them? Yeah, obviously they're a, they're a great team. They're experienced. Um, like Coach said, they're great one-on-one defenders. They have a great defense, so you really got to move the ball against them. Um, it's a completely different style game than the game we played tonight. So, you know, we'll meet. Our coaches will give us a great plan like they always do. And, you know, we'll get ready to go tomorrow. Um I back what Hunt says, you know, they're just a more defensive team than NC State is, and I think Coach is going to give us a game plan tonight, and we're just going to follow it the best we can. Hey, Brad, I know statement win is kind of a cliche type of term, but uh, Jay Billis said tonight it shouldn't even be a discussion that y'all should be in. Do you feel like y'all, y'all proved yes. something and show something? Yes, 100%. Uh, 100%. Like five quad one wins. Who can you beat and where can you beat them? right? We don't play those games at home. We've got four quad one wins away from home. Like it's, yes, we should be in the tournament. Obviously I think that, and I'm pretty adamant about it. I thought we had to win today for sure to make sure, but like to me, we should be in, uh, I guess we've had two or three bad days. We've had some injuries that impacted a couple of those days. If that doesn't matter, I, you know, whatever, that's fine. But like in 19, I was left out because we, we were one in eight or nine, just like North Carolina. We were left out with a net of 35. NC State was left out that year with a 33 net. Now this year our net's higher, but like we've got five quad one wins. Like we should be in the tournament. This team, the way we've played, the margin of victory in most of our games, a lot of these ACC wins, beating these guys the way we did, who's a great team and they should be in. Um, yes, we should be in the tournament. For the players, you know, you were talking about, you know, hearing the outside noise and people saying you guys were on the wrong side of the bubble. Like, were you tired of people like questioning your your resume and your credentials at this point for the tournament coming into this game? Um, I think it's definitely something that bothers you. I think we definitely played in enough tough games that I think we feel like we should be a March Madness team. And I think us seeing that just brings more energy, more motivation for our team. Yeah, man, I would agree. Um, winning 14 games in the league, um, it's really frustrating to see our league not get the respect um, that we know it deserves. A lot of great teams in this league, and we did a really good job in league play. Like Coach said, we had a bad day here and there. But uh, overall, I mean, we, we've had a great season. 
and we have a resume to show for it. So, but we're but we're not done. Tomorrow night, you looking for a game in the fifties, low sixties, in all likelihood. Whatever it is, I mean, it, it you know, I did, it's hard. You're not going to speed Virginia up. Um, Tony and their group just they're unbelievably disciplined. They're going to work the ball on offense and grind you. Um, and then defensively, they're they're hard to score against. So it's you're not going to get easy baskets. So it's going to be a grinding game. Um, we know that, uh, and the team that executes the best will win. And uh, you know, I have all the respect in the world for those guys. They they do a tremendous job every year. And um, you know, but we're obviously looking forward to being in the semifinals. Okay, Brad Brownell and the Clemson players after the uh, win, the win last night over State, and they got Virginia. Coming up in a few hours here in Greensboro. Clemson baseball teams put a couple of runs on the board. It's 8-4, bottom of the eighth. Clemson trying to come back against Georgia State. Engel with a two-run homer down the right field line for the Tigers, accounting for those two runs. They still have some work to do down 8-4. We'll get to those calls. Hang on there. That's coming up after the break. Parents ask, what's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 College Savings Account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt to your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. Futurescholar.com. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. South Carolina's largest hunting, fishing, and outdoor expo takes center stage at the Palmetto Sportsman's Classic sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance. Come on down for a good time with over 350 vendors, dog dogs competition, extreme raptor show, kids catfish pond, and much more family fun. Hope to see you at the Classic March the 24th through the 26th at the South Carolina State Fairgrounds. George Bryan for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor. David Abernathy has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar in training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Have you turned on the fun? Track Cash Pop. 
from the South Carolina Education Lottery. Pick one number from 1 to 15, win up to $2,500, or play all 15 numbers, and you're guaranteed to win. Play twice a day to double your fun. It really is that easy. Visit sceducationlottery.com to get the details. Cash Pop, it's the light of the party. By the way, Smitty tells us that the total for tonight's game, Virginia-Clemson from Vegas, is 126. The over-under on Clemson, 61 and a half. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. I think the Tigers put 64-65 on the board. With Just Garrett Riley calling the offense. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the wrong sport. <laughs> Garrett Riley's not calling this offense. Um, 60, <clears throat> I'm, I'm 64, 64-65 points for the Tigers tonight. I think they have a good night shooting, but we'll see. Let's jump to the phones. Folks have been waiting for a long time. We appreciate the patience. I think uh, Pat's talked a lot tonight, so that's what's kept us from getting to you. Uh, Delvin up in Fountain Inn. Great to have you with us tonight. How are you? Doing great. How you guys doing? We're doing terrific. Good to have you. I think the Patrick trade could be a huge mistake if they go out to Anthony Richardson, because I think he got Jamarcus Russell winning all over him. I'm tired of people going to the combine and, and get, get impressed by a combine. Look at the tape. Don't be impressed by a combine. That's wrong with these gentlemen. That's why they get fired and stuff. Or they see somebody do good at the combine. We got to draft them. Look at this tape. It takes you to the story. And he didn't have no good tape, in my opinion. And that's why I say if they trade or draft him, this got a chance to be Jamarcus Russell. And you'll see Scott Federer, Frank Wright, all them fired again, be out on the unemployment line. That's why I think they trade up to get CJ Scrabble. They traded up to get. Who'd you say? C.J. Oh, Stroud. Stroud. C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not a big believer in drafting off of workouts, you know, workout warriors and things like that. I mean, yeah, I know guys turn, open up eyes when they have the blazing speed and the combine, and, and that's, you know, that carries over to their careers in a, in a lot of ways. But then again, sometimes they lack the other skills necessary to be you know, great players taken in the first rounds. So and I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Richardson, I mean – you know, they talk about his – we saw him at Florida, so we know he's a big, strong kid with a strong arm. But he hasn't played a lot of high-quality football, has he? He only started nope. at Florida for one season for the most part. And um, and now, you know, he's blowing up in the workouts. He's probably going to impress you when he has his, his own pro day and things like that. Um, Got to be real careful with that, though. Got to be real careful what you do with that pick if you decide to keep that pick and go for a quarterback because, as you said, it can make the difference in everything you, you have happen for you moving forward the next five or ten years. Yeah, that's why I think it's going to either be C.J. Scratch or Bryce Young. Okay. Well, thank you very much. We'll see what yeah, they end up doing. That'll, they'll be popular <laughs> choices, no doubt about it. They're going to be two of the early ones to go. Let's go to um, Gamecock Larry. Over in Swansea, Gamecock Larry, missed you the other night. Glad to have you with us. How are you? Good afternoon, Mr. Phil and Tiger Byron. Put your finger on the light switch. The party is almost over. (laughs) I've got to listen to 6 to 8 to this Clemson station. Oh, I tell you what, 
But uh, I, I, I hope the Tigers lose that ball game, baseball game tonight. And I, I, I heard somebody else today on a Gamecock station say, we're going to have to pull for Clemson so we can have three teams in the in the uh, NCAA tournament. Correct. I wouldn't care if we didn't have no teams in the NCAA tournament. I ain't going to pull for Clemson. Ain't no way. I mean, ain't that's, no way. But they're the pride the of the Tigers, state. They're, they're, they're carrying, they're helping I, to carry I, the state flag. No, I tell you what. They, well, I don't care what they can, but I am not going to pull for the Clemson Tigers. I had to listen to the Clemson Tiger radio station on that Saturday afternoon baseball game, and that was the longest baseball game I ever had to listen to. You're still mad about that, aren't you? No, I ain't mad. I'm glad. (laughs) Oh, no, I'll tell you what. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah, I got something to say. Uh, mm. uh, two things, two things now. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm not saying for sure, but I got something from the uh, McGamecock Research Committee from one of the guys up there in Gilbert, America. Now, he's what he got it going out. He, he heard that Gigi Jackson's going to be a Gamecock next year. Oh. Well, he almost tried to convince me, but I ain't quite convinced yet. I'm just going to have to wait a while. But, uh, you know, old Gigi might be coming back. Well, you know? we got to run Gamecock Larry. I mean, look, if that were to happen, that'd be big for the Gamecocks. But I sure wouldn't count on it. We'll be back. Top of the hour break. Welcome back to Sports Talk. On the Sports Talk Media Network, you can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, we are back. Hour number two here in Greensboro, our last hour of the week here in Greensboro. Of course, we could be back next week because um, Clemson gets in. Who knows? Maybe they'll put him in Greensboro. That would be sweet. That's the closest proximity. There's Greensboro. There's Orlando's not too far away. And let's see. There's another location in the area for the first round, second round, that's not too far off. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, Come to me, come to me. Can you remember, Chris? There's another I'm looking one. at right now. Yeah. yeah. There's another one that's not too far away from South Carolina. There's Greensboro. There's Orlando. And is it <clears> – <throat> I don't think it's Birmingham, is it? Not Birmingham, yep. It sure is. Is it Birmingham? Is it Birmingham? At the Legacy Arena. Okay. So all those would be good spots. I did see where – I think it was either Lenardi or Palms has got uh, Charleston and Furman here in Greensboro. So that would be – That'd be cool. Put all three up here if Clemson – not if, when Clemson is announced on Sunday. uh, Put all three of them in Greensboro, and we'll be back. Of course, it'll be a different – the friendly folks of the ACC, they take care of you. The unfriendly folks of the NCAA could care less about you, you know. So, 
ACC people take great care. We have a radio row here. We're set up in a radio row. There's probably been between, I guess, in radio shows, probably seven or eight, maybe ten of those that have broadcast from here throughout the week. So thank you, ACC, for doing a great job with that and thinking about us and caring about us. Say so, what you will about the conference maybe being down a little bit this year, but there is one thing the Atlantic Coast got better than any other league, and that's put on a men's basketball tournament. Oh, yeah. Of course, you know, sort of the grandfather of, of that event, and they do it as well as anybody. Yeah, and here's where it should be, too. I mean, Green is just such the perfect place. And I'm speaking from a spoiled media person standpoint. The setup for us is just fantastic. It's just fantastic. I was talking to former assistant commissioner Brian Morrison, who's retired now, but for so many years his job, one of his jobs, was to run this tournament. And he did a fabulous job. And he was telling me the other day, you know, going back years – he'd have over 400 media spots set up for newspaper, television, radio, and then, of course, on came Internet and the related outlets for that. Now they have about half that, which is, uh, of course, a testimony as to the the death, the slow death, (laughs) slow, painful death of newspapers all across the country. You just don't have the jobs out there anymore. You don't have the people covering Miami's off to a 4-2 lead on Duke. Very slow start for both teams. About two minutes in, so we're underway with the first uh, semifinal. Uh, 4-2, Miami over Duke. Uh, Clemson and Virginia coming up in the second game. Uh, Update the Clemson baseball game down 8-4, top of the ninth. Two outs, runner on first for Georgia State. South Carolina is underway in their game, the first of a three-game series at home against Bethune-Cookman, and the Gamecocks looking to continue their uh, hot play of late, and uh, they are in a scoreless game with Bethune-Cookman as they play the bottom of the first at Founders Park. Let's go to Bruce out in Missouri. He's been hanging on patiently. We appreciate that, sir. Welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Well, thank you, Phil, for taking my call tonight. And um, you had some nice uh, callers coming in for their little deal. Well, I got a little deal for you tonight. I got a prediction for Clemson football. And I also got uh, another um, name to be given out as uh, I want to be known as Double Alt Tiger Bruce. I'm pulling for the Missouri Tigers now. Mm. I watched the best game I've ever seen today with the basketball team, very mature. And last night, Clemson played a very mature basketball game. There wasn't any panicking or anything. They just did what they had to do, and they won the game. But um, my prediction for football, and this might blow you away, but I'm looking at two uh, national championships from Cultus and uh, Riley coaching. And I'm also looking at Riley being offered the head coach uh, for the Clemson Tigers. Garrett Riley being offered the head coaching job of the Clemson Tigers in what decade? Whenever. Well, I mean, I think whenever. he's going to. I think he's going to enjoy Clemson so much. He's going to mm-hmm. want to be there, and I think they'll offer eventually offer him the head coach job when Dabo gets ready to leave. Well, I don't think he's going to wait around 15 years or more. Well, I think uh, they're going to need new blood in there to head coach. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it, you think they're going to falter under the current? Howard, you're going to, you think they're going to falter under their current regime? 
No, no, no. He's going to participate. Well, I'm saying, he'll, but he'll I mean, if Dabo's job, going big and winning championships and all that, he's not going to. He's not ready to walk no, away. They're going to need new blood in there to keep uh, keep the momentum going. Mm. They'll have. I don't think Dabo will ever leave Clemson. He'll get another job there. Another job at but Clemson? What president? University yeah. president? <laughs> He could be, or you know, some kind of whatever they. I mean, what's to do he? What did he take the pay cut do? though? <laughs> no, 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 no. He, no, I'm not saying anything about that. I'm saying they will offer Riley a, a head coaching job. Like I said, in what decade? I don't I mean, know. I'm just making that prediction. Because if it's going <laughs> great, if he gets that offense cranked up and Clemson's winning big, he'll be a head coach somewhere mm-hmm. else within two years. I think he's going to like Clemson too much to go. He ain't going to like him that much. Not if somebody's going to toss millions at him. I mean, multi-millions. I know he's getting millions now, but we're talking, you know, major crooked numbers. There there are some people that don't care about the money. They want to be the coach. They want to coach at that point. And that's that's what that man is. He loves coaching kids. And that's what his his job is going to be, and he's going to be the head coach at Clemson. Okay. Well, if you are right on that, within you got to give me a time frame within the next coach at Clemson within how five many years? years? Five within years. Five years. Five within years. five years. Yeah, five years. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, what do y'all think? There's only one flaw in Bruce's uh, theory there because he talked about winning a couple of national championships. And, Phil, you're right. As soon as Clemson wins another national championship with Garrett Riley as the offensive coordinator, he's gone. Yeah. Somebody's going to scoop him up and make him the head coach. I, I don't see Garrett Riley being here, and I'd say here in the state, five years from now, period. Now, he may come back to Clemson, but I think he'll be long gone before Dabo Sweeney decides to hang it up. And, guys, also, just to add on to that, you had – a couple of offensive coordinators here recently who played football at Clemson, and they both got lured away with head coaching jobs somewhere else because of their success running the offense at Clemson. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott. I mean, those two guys bleed orange. They both played uh, played in the upstate, and they were both still, of course, lured away. As anybody, I'm sorry, but if you want to be a professional and you get offered millions of dollars to be a head coach, you want to take that next step. It's just the logical next step. It's what you do in this industry. There's no saying you can't come back to Clemson. I mean, we talked for a couple of months about the potential of Jeff Scott. Would he return to Clemson after he was fired at South Florida? It did not end up happening, but doesn't mean it won't in the future. So I, I'm, I'm with y'all. I don't quite see any scenario where that, where that would happen. If Garrett Riley brings success to Clemson or continued success to Clemson on the offensive side of the ball, somebody's going to throw a lot of cash at him. And, you know, with Garrett Riley, I was just thinking about this. You mentioned Jeff Scott, and a lot of people were pushing for his return after he got fired, and that didn't happen, of course. And not even as an analyst, why would you bring in a former coordinator to be an analyst when you have a new coordinator who's coming in and going to do things his way, and his way is different from what you did when Jeff Scott was there? Now, that's not saying Jeff Scott can't learn new tricks and come in and be a help in some form or fashion. But Clemson's going in a different direction with its offense. And once Garrett Riley does move on somewhere else to become a head coach, the next guy is probably going to have to follow what he has established at Clemson offensively because we will assume that he's going to establish something pretty special with that offense. 
and you're going to want to continue to do the same thing. I imagine, mm-hmm. just like at um, TCU, right? So he loses Riley to Clemson, but he goes out. Didn't he hire Bryles from Arkansas? Bryles Jr. from Arkansas. Didn't he go to TCU? Which he runs his he yes. runs his form of uh, air raid offense as well. So my point is, once you establish that kind of offense and it's going great for you, which is what Clemson's expecting, you don't want to go back to anything that you did in the past. You know the way things are in football today. Significant news happening here. First of all, Miami and Duke are seven seven at the first media timeout. Duke is three for four from the floor. Miami is three for six. But the big news is that Miami's starting forward Norchad Omier. Phil. Ah, Norshed Omir. Norshed Omir. Mm-hmm. Norshed Omir. Transfer from Arkansas State. I actually saw him play yeah. last year. Well, uh, he's out the rest of the game with an ankle injury. Yeah, he's a, he's a big loss. If he's out for the rest of the game, that is a critically important loss for Miami, especially up front for them. Well, he was averaging 14 points, and he was averaging um, about 10 rebounds per game. So that's a huge loss for mm-hmm. them. So we'll yeah. see how they hang in there. Right now it's 8-7. Duke, Duke's off to a, to a hot start shooting. Uh, three for four, uh, one from one for three for Duke. And let's see who's doing their scoring. Uh, Proctor's got three, and everybody else has got two. Those who have scored. Wong has four for Miami. Interesting story about Omir, Phil, just as an aside. He's the first Division I men's basketball player from Nicaragua. Hmm. How about really? that? Yes. This is where it pays to be a play-by-play announcer in the Sun Belt. First of all, <laughs> you know how to pronounce names. And number two, you have background. See, Useless I could never information. Make it. I could never make it as a play-by-play guy because I am terrible at pronouncing names. I am really terrible That's what the at pronunciation guide is for, my friend. Well, even I'm not nearly as good guide. as you think I am. No, you're very good. You're very good. I'll tell you what. Back in the 1980s, when I worked in Spartanburg, and I had uh, Gary Sparber and Gary Cohen. Cohen, of course, now the longtime TV play-by-play voice of the Mets. And I worked with those two guys, and we did minor league baseball, and I did the pregame show. And, of course, the Spartanburg Phillies of the day had a very international roster. And you should have just heard me butcher those names. (laughs) And I could hear those guys cackling in the background. (laughs) I could just hear them as I was trying to pronounce the starting lineup and toss it to them at beautiful Duncan Park. And I was butchering every name in front of me. And then Gary Sparber, who was the lead announcer, he'd pick it up, and he would just, Gary Cohen, that's why those guys are great. How many times, though, did you proofread versus how many times they did? Well, I'm not a very good pre-reader of things see and that's that's see, I part pick of things it. up I mean, and i go i just go right. with it that's why well, and that's that's so the beauty things. of well and that's the beauty of, of sports talk versus sports play-by-play because those guys probably spent two hours yeah making sure that every one of those names they pronounce correctly true true okay let's go to the to a recruiting and hey, then we'll hit the break phil yeah. real fast i just didn't want to jump in a moment ago but before we move on too far a question going back a moment to Jeff Scott being brought in uh, potentially as an advisor or whatever at Clemson. My question for you would be from a recruiting standpoint. Yes, they may have moved in an offensive, a different direction offensively, but would you see any benefit to the Clemson program having him involved purely from a recruiting standpoint? And can analysts even be involved with recruiting? Are they allowed to 
handle recruits and such? Well, they can't go on the road. Uh, they certainly can meet with them on campus, and I think they can communicate with them, but they can't go on the road. Only your assistant coaches and your head coaches can go on the road. So from that standpoint, no. But from the other standpoint of being on campus and meeting with people, uh, yeah, they can help that way in making phone calls and sending messages. Okay, let's uh, do the recruiting report. After uh, Then we'll get to the break, and then Jeff Owens will join us here for um, a visit into the fast lane as we go racing at Phoenix. Then George Bryan and Robbie Thames and Fred Wadsworth is going to be the special guest tonight, former South Carolina All-American golfer, a winner on the PGA Tour. He'll join us for birdies, bogeys, and biceps around South Carolina. But the recruiting report brought to you by Seawells. Another great week of the buffet at Seawells. Hope you got a chance to get out there and enjoy it. A big roast beef Friday to wrap things up today. That's sort of the championship game of the week of the buffet at Seawells, the roast beef Friday. It'll have another have another big week of it next week, 11 to 2, so make plans to get over there during your lunch hour to enjoy. And if you got something coming up that needs the best in the catering business, that is our good friends at Seawells, where they have been handling excellent food and delivering service for over 70 years. Their address is 1125 Rosewood Drive, and their phone number is 803-771-7385, online at Seawells, cateringsc.com. So recruiting, defensive tackle Camarion Franklin, 6'5", 260, Lake Comorant, Mississippi, is now on some spring trips. Florida State today, Monday, Auburn. He's traveling with his teammate, 2025 linebacker Jarkobi Hobson. The two of them are due at USC one week from today. He'll be making a return trip to Miami on March 25th. He's been talking with Gamecock defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsey. And he said the visit to USC will be his first. After these visits and others this spring, he'll decide on his officials. USC target Houston transfer offensive guard Cameron Johnson, 6'4", 305. Picked up more offers today, Missouri and Arizona State. He's also got West Virginia, Maryland, and Cal. He was first team all-conference this past season. He allowed one sack in 586 pass block snaps. He started all 13 games. He played 905 snaps at left guard this season. Clemson among the top 10 with linebacker Aaron Childs of Olney, Maryland. Also, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State, Florida, Maryland, Michigan, LSU, Florida State, and Georgia. Receiver Amari Jefferson of Chattanooga will be at Clemson tomorrow. He went to junior days at USC, Kentucky, and Alabama. He has spring dates as well with Auburn and Tennessee. 2025. Tied in, Ryan G. Alpharetta, Georgia, at Clemson today. USC target receiver B.J. Gibson to visit Florida State tomorrow. Oregon offered Clemson target quarterback Air Noland of Fairburn, Georgia. He's visiting this weekend. Today, the Tigers offered safety Ricardo Jones, Warner Robins, Georgia. He was in for a visit today. Also expected at Clemson over the weekend, among others, Defensive end Edric Houston of Buford, Georgia. Offensive tackle Casey Poe of Lindell, Texas. Offensive tackle Egan Boyer, Cornelius, North Carolina. Linebacker Joseph Phillips, Shorter, Alabama. Offensive tackle Jaquan McCroy, Pinson, Alabama. 2026 quarterback Josiah Oxendine of Dillon has spring visits. USC March 14th, Florida State March 25th, Virginia Tech March 31st, Pitt April 1st, East Carolina April 8th. 
he'll go to Tennessee this summer. There you go. That's recruiting for now. Be sure to check it out over the weekend on our website, sportstalksc.com, on Twitter at sportstalksc. We go to the break on the other side. We'll check out the racing scene this weekend. They will be racing in Phoenix, in the desert. And they've got practice going on as we as we speak. Uh, Jeff Owens will join us after this break here at the bottom of the hour. We'll tell you at Clemson, it's 8-4 Panthers, but the Tigers have the bases loaded and one away as they try to stage a major comeback. And we'll be back. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Parents ask, what's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 College Savings Account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt to your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. futurescholar.com. South Carolina's largest hunting, fishing, and outdoor expo takes center stage at the Palmetto Sportsman's Classic sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance. Come on down for a good time with over 350 vendors, dark dogs competition, extreme raptor show, kids catfish pond, and much more family fun. Hope to see you at the Classic March the 24th through the 26th at the South Carolina State Fairgrounds. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code B. BB5. Don't wait. Order today.
DW say. Let's go racing, boys. I don't want to sing too loud because people will look at me funny. <laughs> but I'm not too far from Randleman, North Carolina. I saw that sign on 85. I'm tempted to drive over there tomorrow just to drive through where Richard Petty used to reside. we got to go quickly. Jeff Owens in the fast lane. Man, I'm sorry. We have cut you short tonight, but we appreciate you joining us. How are you? Doing well, Phil. How are you? We're doing great. We're up against it. So I want to ask you, I guess the big story at Phoenix, these new rules they've put in place, how's that going to impact things? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Basically, what they did, Phil, is they they reduced the downforce on these cars by about 30%. Uh, These cars did not race well at all last year on your short tracks and the road courses. So they had a test in Phoenix during the off season, they cut the spoiler down by about two or three inches, made some changes underneath the cars. So they just took away a lot of downforce to make the cars harder to drive, harder to drive. So the theory is um, they'll move around a little bit and it'll create more passing and more side-by-side racing. So probably also going to uh, create some spin outs as well, but uh, mm-hmm. theoretically it'll make the uh, racing a little bit more exciting. So we'll see. And, of course, this is a track where Kevin Harvick has just made a living in his career. Is is he the guy you look at or you see somebody else? Well, you know, Phil, it's been a while since Harvick has won there. Uh, You're right. I think he's got nine wins that track more than any other driver. But it's been a little while since he's won one. And he's a little older now and he's toward the end of his career. So I look for this to be a race where – uh, the younger guys dominate. Uh, you know, Chase Briscoe won this race last year. I think he won a Harvick's teammates. I think he'll be there. I like Ross Chastain, Ryan Blaney, some of those young guys. But uh, uh, I think it's going to be a really good race. And, you know, who knows? I mean, Harvick has gotten off to a good start, so uh, could be a factor. All right. And what do you think is going to happen with the Chase Elliott deal? We've got about 30 seconds. Once he gets healthy and gets back, do you think they're going to – will he have enough time to – get into the playoffs by the rules well uh, yeah i think you know they got this waiver rule and they've done this before for drivers who've been injured and missed races so i think he'll get a waiver into the playoffs and all he'll really have to do is win a race and if he does that he's in so we'll see is that fair in your opinion not really, but that's the rule. Agreed. Uh, that's the rule. I, I don't like it, but I understand, you know, you want to protect your your stars and uh, and give them a chance. So uh, we'll see. I, I think yep. he'll win and, and get in. Okay, my friend. We'll make more time next week. We appreciate you as always. We'll hit the break, and we'll be back. Birdies, bogeys, biceps. Four. Straight down the middle. It went straight down the middle Then it started to hook just a wee wee bit And that's when my caddy lost sight of it That little white pellet has never been found to this day Okay, we have a busy edition coming up. Birdies, bogeys, and biceps. George Bryan brings the birdies, and I bring the bogeys, and... Robbie Timms brings the biceps. And before we get to the guys and a special guest, let me, I got to break in with some baseball news. Clemson, which was getting drilled by Georgia State all day, grand slam, walk off home run by Amick, and the Tigers win it in the bottom of the ninth. They come back to win it 9 to 8 over Georgia State this afternoon. Huge win for Clemson, considering they were just practically dead in the water uh, most of that game. 
With They're that down being eight to said, two, Phil, and you wonder what that might do for this team that obviously needs a little boost of confidence. That that may springboard them to having a, a much, much better ACC season just off that comeback. Yeah, it's kind of like getting an ace at 17 at TPC. <laughs> and they had one the other day. But today, as I was watching, I think when I left and the Golf Channel was signing off because of the weather, 22 golfers had found the water. Uh, and there's still more to come through. The uh, weather uh, stopping play late this afternoon, uh, Christian Bazudenhut. I can never get that right. Christian Gazunheit. I'm just going to go with that. Uh, eight under on the course. Adam Svensson is eight under. Uh, he's on the course still. Ben Griffin, 71. He's in the clubhouse at six under. Min Woo Lee at six under. Uh, Colin Morikawa at six under. They're still all on the course. As far as uh, some others we keep a watch on, Scotty Shuffler is five under. Still playing this round when they get back to it. And Jason Day's at four. Ricky Fowler's at two. Lucas Glover is 74, minus one. Jordan Spieth, he is uh, even after a 75. Cameron Young is even after a 73. Kevin Kisner is even, uh, still on the course, so to speak. Uh, Adam Scott is even, still playing. Uh, Ben Martin, plus one, still has to finish the round. Uh, Justin Thomas, a 73, plus two. Matt Kuchar, plus four after a 78. Rory is plus six. Things have not gone well for him. He still has to finish the round. Not a good showing for Matthew Neesmith, plus seven, still playing this round. Doc Redman is plus eight after a 74. Andrew Novak, plus 10 after a 75. And John Rahm had to withdraw, had an illness this morning, George. He got sick over something or a stomach virus, and so the world's greatest had to pull out in uh, today before he uh, teed off today and that's tough for the tournament that's tough for the tv viewers who want to watch him once again yep and that's uh what i learned this past week at columbia country club first time i've ever done it if you're gonna if you're gonna toss the cookies (laughs) try to get off the green it's really difficult cleaning that stuff up off the green (laughs) wait a minute wait a minute especially if there's large quantities and that's my first ever what happened uh, to you? I done that yet. I was out watching uh, helping high school golf, and and uh, this young and uh, tossed it, and oh. I felt terrible for the other folks. So I'm trying to clean the clean it off the green. So they it's awfully close to the hole, oh. a little above it too. And you know how that grain runs down down grain, uh, downhill <laughs> down grain. What I learned is you you definitely don't try to sweep the cookies into the grain that doesn't work out real well the problem i had is the the uh the it wasn't it was close enough to the hole so i'd never had to that was a challenge i'd never faced i thought i did pretty good though uh used a rake out of the bunker so if you run into that you know what to do next time but don't try pushing it into the grain uh it doesn't work out real well especially this spongy bermuda so hey i gotta go ahead and let's that's uh, that those vir- the viruses, stomach viruses going around, and those tour players end up with quite a few of them. They're always eating out, and I'm guessing that our guest tonight had to deal with some of that on the road. And uh, I want to go ahead and bring in both Tsunami Robbie and Freddie Wadsworth. We can tee it up at the same time. Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome, Freddie Wadsworth. 
Yes. How you doing, George? Sorry to sorry to now. Did you get sick after watching some of your guys, or did you have a stomach bug? <laughs> I tell you, what, I, I've had that feeling as a high school coach. There have been times where I've, I've felt that feeling. Unfortunately for me, I didn't have your quite your experience, but I had the feeling. Well, I tell you what, it does when you're out watching and out, Freddie. It's really a privilege of. For those of you uh, that haven't, that don't know, Freddie Wadsworth, a former USC Gamecock, but also 1986 Southern Open champion, PGA Tour Southern Open champion, is uh, in addition to real estate. He's going br- he, to bring us the where are you now, the details, but he is a Hammond golf coach. And gives back to junior golf. It was. It's, I had a blast seeing you last week, Freddie. No, I, I. My stomach goes. It, it stays churning when I'm watching these youngins play. Always has though. I. I think I get more stress watching them play than I ever, ever felt playing myself. Oh, there's no about question you? about that. Yeah, there's no question about that. I, I. I get more nervous. My son played baseball in college. And I got more nervous watching him play than I ever got when I was playing. Um, and then watching, you know, your teams play, um, always you just feel helpless. Uh, when you're playing, you feel like you have some some input into the outcome. But when you're when you're just watching and coaching, you got to turn them loose, and then you got to live with the results. So it can uh, it can definitely be different. Well, we got together, and fellas, uh, let's welcome in Tsunami Robbie. Uh, welcome, Tsunami Robbie. Let's go ahead and tee it up. Oh, I'm on the tee, big boy. Don't worry <laughs> about that. I, I just reflecting back on the on the illness on golf courses. I've never been ill on the golf course, but I have been hung over a few times. <laughs> so, oh, that counts. <can't. laughs> uh. <laughs> well, hey, one of there was. Uh, uh, we I, we were watching. In fact, Phil, you brought this up at the Sonoma mm-hmm. Bar Training Center. Uh, there was uh, some Gamecocks. I, I got to get right to the point. Years ago, when I got introduced to the weight room, Freddie Wadsworth was the only man in that weight room working really hard. There was another one in there pretending, and it didn't work out so well because he tossed it in the weight room. Ooh. But, Billy, I, I think uh, – Freddie, do you remember that name, Billy Anderson? Yeah. Why do I? Why do I? Why is that familiar to me? I I do remember that name. He was one of the strength coaches way back. How about Sid? I think Sid was. Uh, yeah, coach Sid Kenyon. Yeah, Sid Kenyon was our strength coach. That that's who I who I remember the most was working with Sid. But we were. I, well, I remember when Bobby Foster, our coach, uh, you know, he looked at us as a collection and said, "Well." If we're not going to be the most talented, we're definitely going to be in the best shape and work the hardest. And well, so we were kind of, you know, we were kind of before anybody knew what to do. I grew up and was told not to work out. It would ruin your swing. And nobody nobody knew what to do, hmm. you know. So it, it was kind of a trial and error. But we uh, we went at it pretty hard. But it definitely, what they do now with guys like KT and, and those guys is amazing the training that they have now and the 
the technology that's available to them and just the, you know, from the nutrition and the, and the working out, it's totally different from, from our time. I, I mean, I remember one time, Bobby, we had one guy on our team that he, he liked to blow the froth off a couple, uh, a little too much. And I remember one time Bobby had us in the van after a tournament and told us, all right, he said, from now on, two beer maximum. That's it. That's all you're allowed. And I'll never forget, we we pulled into a 7-Eleven, and this guy went in and got two quarts and came out and said, I got my two. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There was a, a little different time back in the I, day. Let me, can I ask Fred uh, a question? Was, Did you guys consider yourself as athletes when you were playing college golf? <laughs> We did. I mean, you know, we, we, we got barbecued. We had our practice facility was right behind the old Sarge Fry field. Yeah. And that also was where the roundhouse used to be in the track. And there was an old practice football field. And we had a couple of greens. We had a bent grass green and a Bermuda green and a couple of bunkers and we could hit do a lot of short game work down there and the football team when they were going to practice would drive in these huge buses parallel in that fence you know behind sarge fry field and they used to just rip you know free lunchers and just every <laughs> every negative in the world you know and and we laughed because we thought you know you're out there beating the crap out of each other every day three hours a day and we're chipping and putting and <laughs> our scholarship was just as good as theirs. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we, we took great. it on the chin, but we didn't consider ourselves athletes. We, okay. we had some guys that were a little better than others. That's great. Hey, there's no question. We had a, we definitely, uh, we took those guys out to the golf course. They thought of us as athletes, although we got, we went to the baseball <clears throat> field occasionally and, 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 uh, kind of the truth came out but somebody I, I credit i go back and where i got my eyes open to the weight room bobby foster had us had us in there together freddie i was uh, a little older than you i think i was a uh, year or two beyond so but when you came into college you were what five eight five nine when you first came in no, when I when I came, it was funny because I I was a late bloomer, and I was when I graduated from high school, I was five seven, and when I enrolled at and when I went on my recruiting trip to Columbia, I remember I went out with Rick Seth and George McDonald. Rick was on his recruiting trip as well, and I was five seven and probably weighed one hundred and thirty pounds, and couldn't hit it anywhere, but I had a really good short game, and so Bobby was interested and came up and went out and then when I enrolled in the fall I was almost six three and but I wow, still that's... weighed 145 pounds uh, <laughs> that's so when I met you. I had a growth that's spurt what... uh, yeah I had a growth spurt in that summer that was just off the charts I, I, I thought I had bone cancer or something my body hurt so bad <laughs> well you're the one that uh by the time you were must have been you must have been a junior Freddie, you're the one that I saw working hardest in that weight room, and you're the one that actually opened my eyes. I watched you for a year or two in the weight room, work really hard, thought it could be beneficial, especially it's pretty easy after I see you work really hard, you earned all American honors, and then you're still working hard with just about 
many tours, fairly dominant there. And then you win, four spot and win. So back in the day, I think you were one of the ones on the cutting edge that seemed to make it all right for the rest of the golfers to follow suit. Well, I wasn't, prior to my junior year, I wasn't having the success that I thought I, I should have. And a lot of it was my fault. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't putting in the time and effort. I was getting distracted by too many things that can distract you in college. And I thought, you know, I, I didn't come from a family of means. So my dream was to try and play professional golf. And I thought, you know, the clock's ticking. And if you don't, if you don't build this resume a little bit better, you're going to need help from somebody. And who's going to sponsor somebody that can't succeed at the level that they are right now, but think they're going to succeed at a higher level. And so for me, it was, it's time to go all in, put it all on the table and find out if I really could be any good. And, uh, and I thought, you know, being stronger, I don't know of any, any athletic endeavor where strength is a weakness. So that, that's, that's where that came from. And I just thought I'm going all in. We didn't exactly do the right exercises probably, but I definitely physically got stronger and I definitely picked up length as a result. And, and that was, you know, the start of it, but boy, what they, I see the guys do now and how they target certain areas. It's really, uh, it's really amazing. And it's, it's no wonder the guys hit it so far. Well, speaking of far men, uh, the, I was a senior. It was my last year. I was definitely not in the lineup. We had all Amer- they were a pretty good team. Had uh, Freddie, Webb, Haynes, and both those guys. Tour cards later on, Greg Sweat, several others that were – I didn't get close to making the lineup. But I had my last round uh, – my last qualifier – Freddie, this was junior year. You wouldn't remember it. Forest Hills at Augusta, we'd go out, and and uh, I just absolutely ripped it on the first tee. Really proud of it. And uh, get out, get out. You hit you hit it pretty good, and get out there. And uh, I couldn't hit my wedge shot to your driver, and I knew right then I was not doing the right thing, and I was dead against the weight room until that drive on the first hole. So that changed my that changed my tone and. And so I never got much longer, but I do. I tell you what, the weight room, I think, has changed uh, the whole face of professional golf. You, uh, Everybody out, I, I haven't talked to or met anybody on the, at the, that level now that doesn't train. Freddie, back in the day, how many of you guys in the late 80s were work in the weight room? No, yeah, uh, it, it's – it's if if they're not embracing the physical part of it and the training part of it in this in this day and age they're they're getting lapped because I don't care how good you are if if you know Tiger's hitting a, a nine iron or a wedge into the green and you're back there hitting a three iron you lose all day long <laughs> and that's uh, I was pretty impressed and then one thing uh, we just got to talking about the TPC how many times do you play there in that championship Freddie. Yep, I played there three times. Um, fun fact for me, I still am one of 11 that own the consecutive birdie streak in that tournament. I birdied six in a row there one year. Nice. And there have been 10 other lucky guys that have tied me. Uh, but they haven't gotten me yet, so that's good. Not that I'm rooting against them. But I do pay attention to it because some of my kids, 
they'll they'll every now and then during the tournament they'll show a little thing of uh, the lowest playing the last four holes and my six in a row came at I started on 10 the first day and I I birdied 15 16 17 18 1 and 2 and Mm. so I birdied the last four and for a long time that was the record until Ricky Fowler played that stretch of four holes and five under and and knocked me out but I still still got a piece of that and sometimes it'll pop up on the screen and my my kids that are in Hammond that are watching my golfers will blow up my phone for about two minutes and so they'll they'll listen to me for about three or four days after that and then they go back to ignore me so it's all all good (laughs) well i gotta ask since you brought up tcbc i i gotta ask you know your history at 17 how did you fare in your times through there you know you know it's funny um the couple of times that i that i like i said i played in the tournament I never that hole never bothered me because it was typically a wedge for me, and I thought if you can't hit the green with a wedge, you deserve to be in the water. I, I just and I was always a pretty good wedge player, so that hole really didn't scare me as much. Now the one time where it did was if the wind blows down there. I hit a six iron at that green one year, and I, I can tell you I could. It was like the bottom of my grip had super glue because I didn't, I couldn't pull a club out of the bag. I didn't want to hit because I just <laughs> knew it was going in the water. And when you get a 30, 35 mile an hour wind, crosswind at that green, and I like to hit a cut anyway. And so all, all wind is, is a spin amplifier. So, you know, if you're trying to hit a little cut, I think I aimed it 20 yards left in the water and just literally sliced it, and it hit on the green. And how it didn't spin off into the water, I have no idea. But that was uh, that was probably the scariest shot I've ever hit in my life. <laughs> well, I've learned I've learned something, George. The wind is a spin amplifier. I, I'm going to apply that to my next shot into the wind and see how that works. That's why you yeah, never well. never swing hard into the wind because all you're doing is is putting more backspin on it, and the ball's just going to blow up on you. So take a little extra club, and, and the old saying of when it's breezy, swing them easy. And that's, <laughs> that's very true, and it takes spin off the golf ball. It'll help you play in the wind. But wind's tough. That's the, that's the toughest element. The other one's wet and all that stuff. That, that makes courses easy. But wind, I don't care if you're playing the easiest golf course in the world. You let it blow 30 or 40 and wind changes everything. Yeah, and Freddie, the uh, speaking of change, we can't have we, it's, can't have you on the show without at least asking you uh, your opinion of this live tour. And you have any thoughts about the new tour on planet Earth? I do. Um, my first thought is, I, my first reaction is, I understand it. I understand why it would be attractive to some guys. Um, But my second thought is I can't figure out why anybody's going to care to watch it. Um, For me, you know, I I can't understand why you've got the same field, no cut. You're playing this team concept with which golf. I'm sorry. It's an individual sport. Um, I, I just don't – I don't see it. And I, I can't find a reason 
to be interested in the outcomes of what now good for the guys making the money. I get that. And then, you know, there's always the question of, you know, where is the money coming from? And, you know, if whether you have a, a moral standing on that, you know, that that's between everybody and, you know, that that's their business. I personally wouldn't do it. Um, if I ever, you know, if, if I were playing now and had the opportunity, I think the, the greatness of golf is being able to play in tournaments that, you know, generations past have played a lot of the same courses, whether it's the, the open championship and, you know, in Scotland or whatever, the U S open, there's courses and rotations. And I think that's what makes it interesting. And for me, if I were, if I were still active, playing i i wouldn't i wouldn't do it but i think the tour has had to make a lot of needed adjustments and like i said i certainly understand from the best players perspective um golf for a long time lagged behind any other professional league as to what their stars made and people, you know, when I played, we weren't playing for any money relative to what they're playing now. I mean, when I won the Southern Open, I won $63,000. And at the time, I thought that was $63 million. <laughs> and it felt like a lot. But, you know, I, I tell people all the time, the very next week, I played in Pensacola, and I finished fifth and made $6,200 for finishing fifth. And I look at what guys make now, and you think, wow. But the tour always lagged behind what their, its best players made relative to other sports. And they asked them, I feel like, and I think this is where Norman it was coming from, they asked them to do so much, basically, I don't want to say for free, but it kind of felt like it. When you have to play a bunch of pro-ams, you have to show up at a bunch of things, and you have to make a lot of outings, Yes, the sponsors are putting up the money, but if you go miss the cut, you don't make any money. Um, and back right. when I was playing, the two years I finished in the top 125 and kept my card, um, I barely made enough money to pay my expenses. I didn't make any money, and I was in the top 125. Um, so I think the tour has made some necessary adjustments. I hope at some point some of these guys will come back. Um you know, specifically Dustin Johnson, he's, he's too great of a player um, to be basically, it looks like as it stands right now, he's only going to play the four majors, you know, if, you know, and I just think that's a shame, um, but I understand it. Hey, well, Freddie, it has been a privilege having you mm-hmm. on. And, and uh, in addition to the high school coaching, you're in real estate and what, uh, which company are you with? Yep, I sell I sell Timberland, and it's mostly hmm. recreational and recreational slash timber investment property. And I sell for Advanced Land and Timber, based out of Lexington. And I still do some a good bit of teaching over at the Spurred Northwoods, um, you know, as as well as still coaching. So I I try to stay connected to golf, but you know, doing a little bit of everything. I appreciate it. And that music means it's been wonderful. Let's tee them up, tee them up later on, Freddie. You have a good weekend. Thank you. Enjoyed it, guys. Same here. George, thank you. Robbie, didn't get much from you. We'll let you play through next week. We enjoyed it. 
Uh, South Carolina has taken a 3-2 lead on Bethune-Cookman, and Duke leads Miami 41-36. Have a great night.